Losing your inner potential isn't easy, but it's simple. We'd love to help you get there at last. Join the transformative journey to holistic health on the Pure Power Podcast. Oh, let's start the show. Well, hello, everybody. It's Dr. Brandon here, the founder of the Pure Power Protocol and the host of the Pure Power Podcast, your pathway to more power, productivity, presence, purpose, and prosperity in your health, relationships, and your finances. And I'm excited to have you back here for the second episode of our Pure Chiropractic Health, Let Tomorrow's Crisis Be today's prevention series. So we last left off with the intro. If you haven't uh, listened to the introduction to this best-selling book here, I want you to go back and then listen to it. There is a crescendo here in each one of these episodes, which are essentially the chapters of the book, are building off the previous episode. So I'm excited. Let's dive in. We got chapter one of pure chiropractic health. Let tomorrow's crisis be today's prevention. Let's dive in. Chapter one, the healthcare crisis. There's a lot more to health than not being sick. Let me say that again. There's a lot more to health than not being sick. By Bruce Larson. Who's to blame? Is the finger pointing at you? The price of greatness is responsibility, Winston Churchill. When asked, most people think of the current healthcare crisis in the United States as a health insurance crisis. Although the lack of healthcare insurance is a problem, it pales in comparison to the real crisis, overall health. This crisis is not discriminatory. All segments of the population are affected. Fingers have been pointed at many for this health crisis. Government, the lack of universal and affordable insurance. Pharmaceutical companies, the price of prescription drugs. Healthcare industry, current managed healthcare practices. And the food industry, unhealthy food choices for lower income individuals. Although each of these has a hand in perpetuating the crisis, none are the true cause. The real reason behind the healthcare crisis is an individual's poor choices and lifestyle, mostly in the areas of food, exercise, and stress. Let me say this again. You are not a victim. You are designed to be a victor and sitting around and blaming other people's for people for your lack of health is the problem. And if you are taking responsibility for your health, like I applaud you. And I'm saying this with love, don't misunderstand me. Stop blaming others for your problems. Wake up, take ownership for where you're at and focus on the things that are in your control. We all can be doing more. That's the reality of it. That's truth right there. Every day, you should be investing in your health and wellness. There is no stasis. There's no staying at one point. You're either getting healthier and stronger every single day, or you're getting weaker or sicker. It's your choice. It's a decision 
that you're called to make. And your health is your responsibility. There's nobody out there that's going to care more about your health than you. And hoping that the government and big pharma, the medical insurance companies, the media has, have your, has your best interests at heart, you're going to be sadly disappointed. So my encouragement to you as you're listening, no matter where you're at, just focus on taking one step forward and surround yourself with health and wellness, like-minded people, people that resonate with your values, people who can encourage you, inspire you, and pull you forward towards your ultimate health and the vision that you have for your health. Stop relying on others to do the work for you and stand up and do the work. And if you've been doing the work, keep doing the work. So as we were saying, this leads to health-related issues such as blood, lipid abnormalities or, or fat abnormalities, cancer, depression, gallbladder disease, subluxations, gynecological problems such as infertility and irregular periods, heart disease, high blood pressure, metabolic syndrome, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, osteoarthritis, skin problems, sleep apnea, stroke, type 2 diabetes. Whether we like it or not, we need to take personal responsibility for our health. This means taking personal responsibility to educate ourselves on the choices that will make a positive change for us and for those we love. First, do no harm. The drug crisis. Above all else, do no harm. Let me repeat. Above all else, do no harm. Hippocrates. There's been a lot of harm done to Americans and people around the world by rushing science, rushing vaccines, forcing vaccines, spreading propaganda and lies to deepen the pockets of the pharmaceutical companies has done a lot of harm to you and your loved ones has destroyed families, communities, businesses, and there's a big ripple effect. Hippocrates reminds us, above all else, do no harm. Janet Woodcock, the chief medical officer of the FDA, has stated that 1.3 million people are accidentally injured by medical therapy in the United States and that the misuse of medicines cause thousands of preventable hospitalizations every year and results in estimated costs ranging anywhere from 20 to 75 billion. Wow, 1.3 million per year, and that's only an estimate. Those numbers are much larger today. Great Britain tracks their patients more carefully, and based on their own observations, it is likely that the real number is closer to 5 million injuries due to medication. So what medications are likely to produce injury? Most medications, whether over-the-counter or prescribed, can cause problems. Some of them are so severe that hospitalization is required. Let's look at specific drugs such as antidepressants, painkillers, Ritalin, statin drugs, 
and diabetes drugs. Then let's look at a human error problem, abbreviation errors on prescriptions. Pregnancy and antidepressants. Imagine this warning. Women who take a common type of antidepressant during the second half of their pregnancy are about six times more likely to give birth to a baby with a rare but potentially fatal heart and lung condition. It is scary and it is true. If a woman takes an SSRI antidepressant, the baby can be born with PPHN, persistent pulmonary hypertension of the newborn. PPHN kills up to 20% of babies and half of the survivors are left with serious abnormalities. Additionally, studies have shown that 33% of infants born to mothers using SSRI antidepressants experienced withdrawal symptoms known as neonatal abstinence syndrome or NAS. Babies with NAS experience high pitch crying tremors and sleep disturbances. Even more distressing is the fact that long-term effects of prolonged exposure to SSRIs have yet to be determined. And so with the vaccines, long-term effects of exposure with these new vaccines and the boosters have yet to be determined. Painkillers and heart failure. In 2006, a study in Spain determined that taking NSAIDs, i.e. ibuprofen, aspirin, and naproxen for pain and inflammation has been linked to heart failure. Researchers concluded that those using NSAIDs were at a 30% higher risk for the first time heart failure hospitalization than those not using the drugs. Wow. 30% higher. One thing that is quite concerning is the dosage or the duration of the use of NSAIDs made little difference on the increased risk. This means that someone taking NSAIDs for a short period of time is not safe from heart complications. How about all the side effects of the vaccines today producing heart complications, myocarditis, especially in young, healthy athletes. Folks, it's time to wake up. It's time to look at the truth and the facts of where our sick care system is driving you and your family. For years, researchers have been doing studies about NSAIDs and how they can exacerbate heart failure symptoms. However, this, this study shows that heart failure is happening to those who previously had no history of the disease. Researchers term this as a considerable public health impact and rightly so. The opioid crisis. Inadequate pain management coupled with epidemic of prescription of the epidemic of prescription opioid overuse and abuse has taken a severe toll on the lives of tens of thousands of people in the United States. How about hundreds of thousands and probably now millions? According to the Center of Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, 
as many as one in four patients who receive prescription opioids long-term for non-cancer pain in primary care settings struggles with addiction. Every day, more than a thousand people are treated in the ER for misusing prescription opioids. Wow. Deaths involving opioids have quadrupled since 1999. In 2014 alone, more than 14,000 people died from overdoses involving drugs. That same year, another 2 million people abused or were dependent on opioids. This is why we see a rise in heroin use. This is why we see the rise in opioid addiction. This is why we see a rise in drug use, legal and illegal. And the rise continues on and on and on. And the Purdue family recently paid out, I believe it was $2.3 billion as they were found guilty of pushing opioid drugs and marketing them to the medical doctors who were prescribing them and teaching them how the medical doctors could sell more of the opioids to the patients they served and then received more kickbacks. Folks, follow the money trail. Wake up. You see, the Purdue family, which I believe made five to six billion dollars with the opioids they were selling and pushing paid a penalty of 2.3 billion. So why it seems like paying a, a large sum of money and also in the litigation and the settlement, being immune to being sued in the future, you take a look at the profits they made and that's just pennies to them. But think about all the lives that were ruined, the people who had died, have died, are dying, are addicted, the families that are destroyed. I come from a family full of addiction with alcohol. I understand what addiction can do to the individual and the family. I am 18 years sober. Okay, I understand addiction. I understand how it can show up in many ways. Alcohol, gambling, porn, food, shopping, social media, work, and drugs. Beyond the risks of addiction and overdose, prescription drugs that numb pain may convince a patient that pain is less severe than it is or that it is healed. This misunderstanding can lead to overexertion and a delay in the healing process or even permanent injury. Chiropractic and other conservative non-drug approaches to health can be an important first line of defense against pain and addiction caused by the overuse of prescription opioid pain medications. Risks of Ritalin, a long-term government study showed 30% of school preschool children suffered severe adverse reactions after taking Ritalin. 
The study was published in the November 2006 Journal of American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry. During the 70-week study, preschoolers taking Ritalin didn't grow like their peers. They grew in a half inch and two pounds less. Although the drug isn't approved for children under the age of six, Ritalin is widely used in younger children. This is called off-label use. Using a drug in situations it was not approved to be used in. In general, Ritalin is being used on many children with any degree of ADHD or ADD, when in fact it is only supposed to be used in cases that are deemed severe. Studies suggest that Ritalin can have long-term consequences on normal functioning brains. In other words, those misdiagnosed with ADHD and placed on Ritalin could face possible impaired face possible impaired brain performance as adults. The most recent studies, in fact, say Ritalin may have a similar impact on the brain like cocaine. Statin drugs kill cells. A new scientific review of 900 studies of statin drugs show that shows that statins disrupt any energy production by cells. Anything that disrupts Cell energy is an anti-life drug. Let me repeat, anything that disrupts cell energy is an anti-life drug. Drugs that are anti-life are not good long-term drugs, yet statins are being used long-term. Statins are the number two prescribed drug. Number one prescribed drug in the United States is anxiety drugs. Words define statin drugs. Statins are cholesterol-lowering drugs. Statins are among the most commonly prescribed drugs in medicine. Due to this energy loss, statins can cause loss of muscle function, cognitive loss, neuropathy, pancreatic and hepatic dysfunction, sexual dysfunction. Side effects are worse with age, and the new data clearly demonstrates that the risks of any person over the age of 70 may outweigh the benefits. This is true even for heart patients. Despite the studies, statins are widely used and accepted. Why? Statin drugs make the pharmaceutical companies a lot of money. Folks, There's a difference when you look at the research between absolute and relative percentages. Absolute and relative. So let me give you an example using statins and we'll try to keep the math as simple as possible here. So if you have a group of patients with heart disease that are taking statin drugs and you have another group of patients with heart disease not taking statin drugs, If you have the group that have taken the statin drugs, one in a hundred die. And then in the group not taking statin drugs, two in a hundred die. So one in a hundred versus two in a hundred. The pharmaceutical companies will market and say the relative, they won't say the relative value, but the relative value and percentage is when you take a statin drug in this study, 
you have a 50% less chance of death. But when you take a look at the absolute value is one in 100 and it's 1%. So you have 50% reduction of death, the absolute that's relative, the absolute is one in 100, which is 1%, which this is over a bigger population. And we're talking about um, tens, uh, tens of thousands of individuals in these studies. The point being is that the, the benefit, it, is there a benefit that outweighs the risks that these drugs cause? And the answer is no. There is more potential of harm there's more potential of side effects than the benefits that the, the pharmaceuticals market this to. You have to read the research. You have to read between the lines and what the research is really saying. Because at the end of the day, the pharmaceutical companies are in business to make money. And if you're healthy and well and strong, there you're not a consumer for the pharmaceutical companies the pharmaceutical companies want to tell you that there's something wrong in your body and that the only thing that you can do is take drugs for it and be a lifelong consumer of these drugs and not teach you how to help your body heal how to teach you to be healthy how to get healthier or how to use the drugs short term and then eventually get off of them. They're not used as a bridge by any means. They're used as lifelong management of chronic illness and disease. Diabetes drugs don't improve health. In December of 2008, the New England Journal of Medicine reported that aggressive use of blood sugar lowering medication to prevent heart disease was a failure. In fact, lowering the blood sugar of patients made them heavier and more hypoglycemic. The study shows that there was a 22% increased rate of death in diabetic patients who were aggressively treated with medications. Although counterintuitive to the idea that lowering blood sugar would produce benefits, the studies show that it simply doesn't work that way. The reasoning is that there is a big difference between normal blood sugar of a healthy person and artificially lowering blood sugar due to medications. In healthy people, sugar does go into muscles and gets burned as fuel. Blood sugar medication moves out of sugar excuse me, blood sugar medication moves sugar out of the blood and puts it into the cells that then create fat. Although the numbers look good from a blood glucose standpoint, the health problem actually gets worse. Words defined, hypoglycemia. The oversecretion of insulin by the pancreas in response to a rapid rise in blood sugar or glucose. In other words, the body's inability to properly handle large amounts of sugar. Human error, abbreviations. Have you ever looked at your prescription and wondered what it meant? What did bid or po or quid, what is that? These are abbreviations from Latin terms. Bid means twice daily, po means by mouth, Quid means 
four times a day. Although efficient, this use of abbreviations can cause errors that put patient safety at risk. A study shows that nearly 5% of all reported medical errors between 2004 and 2006 were caused by abbreviations, 81% of which occurred during prescribing. One of the most common abbreviations threatening patient safety is the use of QD in place of once daily. The reason that QD is often seen as QID, the reason is that QD is often seen as QID. So instead of getting a medication once a day, a patient will now get it four times a day. And if you're thinking that technology has improved this, you're wrong. As William J. Loretti, an ACA member and chiropractic researcher from Bethesda, Maryland has put it, the time has come for the medical community and the media to focus their efforts on warning patients about common procedures with very real risks associated with them, such as the inappropriate use of drugs and surgery. Where is that today? Where is this in the media? In fact, social media has been found to be suppressing the truth when it comes to vaccines, suppressing the truth when it comes to drugs, so that the consumer does not see these warnings and continues to be a buyer of these pharmaceuticals. You're thinking that it's improving your health, but ultimately, it's driving you away from health and it is causing and setting up to more illness, disease, and adverse effects. Plus, there is a recently published report stating that medical errors cause more deaths than suicide and car accidents. Common sense tells us that something needs to change. Where's the outcry in all this? Where are people rising up about this? Where are all our marches about this? Where is, where is all the, uh, the individuals advocating for people's autonomy in their body, their freedom of information so you can make an informed decision for you and your family? Where is all this going on? Why is this all being suppressed? There's a lot of money in keeping people sick. There's a lot of money in keeping the truth from people. Modern medicine has a place. Please do not misunderstand me. Modern medicine does have a place in our healthcare system and it is called crisis care. It just isn't at the top of the healthcare list like it used to be. Crisis care is treating an acute injury, illness, or disease. There are times when crisis care is exactly what you need. If you have been involved in a car accident or broken three bones and have a ruptured spleen, you will want the right specialist to set the bones and perform the needed surgeries. The problem is that crisis care has become the U.S. healthcare system. Our current system pushes drugs and surgery. In fact, Americans spend $3 billion on prescriptions per year and $2 trillion on healthcare. Imagine if we spent $3 billion on getting healthier. What if we spent and we put that $3 billion into 
regular routine wellness chiropractic care, eating better, supplementation, exercise and fitness, sleeping better, mental health exercises like prayer, meditation, journaling, gratitude. What if we hydration? What if we set that and spent that money on true health? What if we spent that on health coaching, consulting, working with individuals to improve health outcomes, not merely just masking symptoms? Where might the United States and the world be at today? Yet despite all the money spent, the nation is getting sicker and sicker. It is a never ending cycle and it's not changing with pushing more vaccines, more COVID boosters, more flu shots, RSV shots now, and combining all these shots and putting more and more chemicals and toxins in our body. The sicker we are, the more we seek crisis care and the sicker we get. Our current medical system is good for emergency crisis situations but not for getting healthy and staying healthy. Crisis care could also be called sick care. Why? Think about it. Do you go to your medical doctor when you're healthy and feeling good? No. You go when you're sick and have some sort of illness or disease. Feeling uncomfortable yet? You should be. Your health today or lack thereof is just the sum total of your previous choices and habits. If you want to move towards better health, then you need to make better decisions regarding your health. In the next chapter, let's shed some light on a better way to health and stay ahead of the crisis care model. From a patient's point of view, as always, I received exceptional care at Pure Chiropractic. Dr. Brandon not only maintains our spines, but also looks at the big picture of our overall health and wellness. I always have his undivided attention. He reviews my background and makes recommendations for maintaining improving health. Being a patient of Dr. Brandon gives me the confidence that I am on track for a healthy lifestyle. Loretta S. Do this now. Before reading on, answer these powerful questions. If you're driving, think about it and speak it out loud. If you're at a place and you have a journal, then write this down. Write down your answers. Folks, this is about doing the work. And I'm going to challenge you to do the work. And don't do this work for me. Do this for you. Fight for that healthy vision that you see for you and your family. So before reading on, or in this case, listening on, answer these powerful questions. Number one, how committed to your health are you on a scale of one to five? With one being, I don't care, and five being 100% committed. How committed are you to your health on a scale of one to five? Answer this now. Number two, are you healthier today than you were five years ago? Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes or no? Are you healthier than you were five years ago? Number three, 
Will you be healthier five years from now if you do not change any habits regarding your health? Will you be healthier five years from now if you do not change any habits regarding your health? Yes or no? Yes or no? Answer these questions now and see the show notes for the quiz. Take the quiz. Answer it now. Number four, why? Why? The question is, why do you want to be healthy? Why do you want to be healthy? For family, work, recreation, what else? Why do you want to be healthy? Number five, what vision and goals do you have regarding your health? What vision and goals do you have regarding your health? Have you thought about that lately? Have you ever thought about it? Is it written down in detail with great vision? You just kind of think about it. What is your vision and goals regarding your health? And when it comes to your goals, what's your immediate goal? What's your short-term goal? What's your long-term goal? Answer this now in a bonus question, not in the book. Why are you here? Why are you here? Why are you here? Answer this now. Why are you here? Why are you here listening to this podcast? Why are you here listening to this message? Why are you here? I look forward to the next episode where we, we will be reading and reviewing chapter two, crisis-minded versus wellness-minded. I'll see you there. Dr. Brandon signing off. God bless. Let's shift that pain to power. One, two, three, off you go.